welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 168th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 620th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 7th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred on Wednesday when the final 24-7 sports rankings for the class of 2020 were announced. Jordan Geronimo is number 110, Anthony Leal is 131, and Trey Galloway is 133. All are four-star prospects. Now you may wonder, um, you know, what's so great about three recruits with triple-digit rankings? Good question. Let's explore that a little further, and let's do it by comparing Archie Miller's recruiting results for the completed 2018 2019 and 2020 classes, plus the early commitments in the 2021 class, to the four recruiting classes that preceded him from 2014 through 2017. At the top, there's not much of a difference. If anything, you could argue that Archie lags behind. The four classes prior to his arrival included two top 20 recruits, four top 50 recruits, and six top 100 recruits. Archie's four classes also include two top 20 recruits, but just three top 50 players and only four top 100 players. Advantage? the past, slightly. But now start looking under the hood a bit. The average ranking for the 16 IU recruits from 2014 through 2017 was 196. The median ranking was 174. The average ranking for Archie's 13 recruits thus far is 98. The median is 124. Big advantage to Archie. In other words, the average IU player from 2014 through 2017 was a mid-level three-star prospect. That's what happens when you hit on some big names, but the rest of your recruiting strategy resembles a wild goose chase. For every OG Ananobi that hits despite a ranking of 294, you have to deal with players ranked 260, 391, 364, 410, and 436 who either never develop or don't start producing until they go somewhere else. The average IU player now is a solid four-star prospect ranked right around where Jawan Morgan was. That is going to have an impact over time on a program's depth, and ability to sustain success. And if we go one level deeper, Archie has executed a screeching 180-degree turn when it comes to Indiana's local recruiting. Between 2014 and 2017, IU enrolled just two players from the state of Indiana, James Blackman Jr. and Grant Galon. None of the other 14 players were even from Indiana's supposed Midwest breadbasket of Illinois and Ohio. Archie, on the other hand, has secured commitments from eight Indiana players. Of the remaining five, two are from the breadbasket states, plus Race Thompson is from Minnesota. Only two have been from outside the Midwest. It all adds up to Indiana being on a much firmer recruiting foundation now than when Archie took over. But let's be realistic here. Comparisons to the end of the previous regime only go so far. It's quite the low bar. That was a stretch of terrible roster management that ultimately got that staff fired. Archie should have been able to clear that bar by a wide margin, and he has. So this banner moment is not to give him extra credit, but just baseline credit. We were in a recruiting ditch, and Archie and his staff have almost completely dug us out of it. The key moving forward will be to turn this improved recruiting foundation into more consistent on-court success. It remains to be seen if Archie will be able to do this. But consider me right there among the large swath of IU fans 
who see how Archie has rebuilt the consistency of Indiana's recruiting and still believe that it's more likely than not that the consistent winning will follow. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Andy Bottoms is off this week, but make sure that you listen to the episode of Crimson Cast that he and Coach hosted last week. It was a great opportunity for them to indulge their love of IU football, so don't miss that. Andy, have a great night off. Enjoy it and live it up. Absolutely. But here with me this week, as Normalcy returns to Assembly Call Radio, to my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's on Sony time. No chicks will go out with you if you're not in the paper. Coach, what's on your mind? <laughs> you know, in, in the off season, there's always a struggle uh, to, to find stuff to talk about. But yet, I, I keep thinking about a lot of things. Uh, the schedule, uh, as the schedule starts coming out, and we, we heard a couple non-conference uh, teams uh, in the past couple weeks, you, you start thinking about, uh, we're going to talk about what needs to happen and what kind of questions are there for the basketball team. I had a really good conversation with Mike DeCourcy on Banner Monday. I'd like to promote that for, for what you've done with Banner Monday. But, boy, he brings a really good nuanced uh, position that takes away a little bit of our cream and crimson glasses at times and really makes us sit back and focus on what actually happens. But he was talking about the, the name, image, and likeness possibly being a benefit for a team like Indiana who is a, a blue blood and, and there might be a lot of opportunities uh, that you can't use as a coach necessarily or a booster can't promise something, but uh, people aren't, uh, you know, they know what go, is going on. So I was thinking a lot about that, that, you know, recruits might say, yeah, Indiana, there might be more opportunity for me uh, and that might be a draw. So I've uh, been thinking, um, you know, a lot about that. And just uh, in general, hoping that uh, the development of the Indiana Hoosiers is going on uh, despite uh, the the uh, stay-at-home orders and those things. And then recruiting. You brought up uh, the recruiting in your banner moment. What kind of recruiting is going on? Everyone's doing Zoom meetings, so that's the consistent probably. But how are you identifying talent? I, I think the Zoom meetings are great with people you've already identified and built a relationship and had on campus because then you can continue the message. But recruiting is about finding those hidden gems or finding those talents while you're sitting on the on the gym floor or off the side of the gym floor in, in, in recruiting. It's gonna, we're going to see who really works it and who has the connections to identify those freshmen and sophomores that need to be recruited for Indiana. So that has me thinking about all of that, and it's always good to think Indiana basketball uh, in the offseason. Absolutely. Okay. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. It's easy to enjoy watching guys enjoy themselves. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Really? With that tag at the end? Um, you know, I thought the, the biggest news of the week came earlier today when uh, Devontae Green announced on Twitter that he was a college graduate. I, I think that it's... it's Congratulations, Devontae. It's easy to forget that that's what this is all about. I mean, you know, guy, for the vast majority of guys who play college athletics, the degree is the goal. And I'm sure Devontae is going to continue to play and move on, but he'll always have that Indiana degree. And, and this is a kid who, you know, used his skills to be able to get that college degree from a really good university as somebody who took a long time to get their degree and had some ups and downs and, and, uh, 
speaking of myself now, not Devante, but had some ups and downs and it took a long time to get the degree. That's a really meaningful moment in somebody's life. And it's something that nobody can ever take away from you. And there's a reason I sprung for the really expensive um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> frame for my diploma back here. And it's because, you know, it, it, it was a struggle and it took a long time. And, and it's something that, again, I, I'll always have that and he'll always have his diploma. And, you know, we get caught up in recruiting at recruiting rankings. We get caught up in, in statistics and we get caught up in one wins and losses. But, um, that's a man, that's a young man who just did something really big for his life by graduating college. So congratulations Devante, And, and, uh, um, we know you'll do big things moving forward. Absolutely. Thanks for saying that, Ryan. That's good stuff. Um, all right, here's what we're going to talk about this week. First off, the biggest question facing all of sports, when are they going to be back? We'll kind of discuss if we got any insight on that this week. And then we're going to talk about the biggest questions facing your Indiana Hoosiers on the court heading into next season, whenever that season happens. And then as we always do, we will answer your questions. So all of that is coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we get to that stuff, a quick reminder to go support our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. You can use that promo code ASSEMBLY20. It will always give you 20% off. Get you know the Bison logo, get all the football t-shirts that they released last year. They've got, you know, I don't know, eight, nine, ten basketball themed shirts there. I mean, they have everything for the IU fan in your life. Uh, if you're looking for gifts, looking for something for yourself, go to homefieldapparel.com and use that promo code assembly20. And then if you want to support a local food bank, go to foodpantries.org or feedingamerica.org. That will help you find a food pantry in your area that you can support. Uh, cause obviously a lot of people are dealing with, uh, with food shortages, food insecurity. And so anything that we can do there to help them out, we certainly want to do. So it's foodpantries.org and feedingamerica.org. All right, guys. So in our next segment, as I said, we're going to talk about the biggest questions facing the team on the court, but the biggest face question facing all sports teams is just, when are we going to get on the court, um, or the field of play or the diamond or whatever. And, you know, Ryan, it felt like this week we started to see some movement in this direction. The Korean Baseball League is back playing. There are no spectators, but that's actually on TV. So there's televised baseball without fans that people seem to be excited about. So we've at least got that. Uh, I read that MLB is expected to have a proposal soon for returning at some point this summer. Now that's going to have to be approved by the Players Association. So it's a first step, not a final step. But you're starting to see some of these things. Rumblings of a plan for the NBA to resume you know, I think what's going to be interesting for college sports is they're obviously going to have to watch what the pros do and kind of I think the pros will take the lead on actually getting back on the fields of play because colleges have a lot of other things to think about, you know, getting students back on campus, faculty back on campus. Does that need to happen before you play? There's a lot of complications for the colleges that the pro leagues don't have. Uh, you know, and you saw from a college perspective, the Big Ten extended the suspension of organized team activities through June 1st. Previously, it had been, I think, the first week in May. So they pushed that out. Right call. Yeah. And, right you know, call. the NCAA released this core principles for sports to resume document that I kind of read through and it made my head hurt because it kind of yeah. said stuff, but it didn't really say stuff. So it was, you know, kind of what you'd expect from the NCAA. I mean, at least they're putting something out there. I don't want to make too much light of it, but it didn't it didn't really provide a whole lot there of There was no definitive stuff. answer. Yeah, it was still... And, it was parading itself as firm, but it was still kind of soft. And so I guess my question to you is, these are some of the things I've seen. You know, How close are we to getting some sports back? Because for college basketball fans, I think we want to see the NBA back. You know, How are they going to go play basketball? And is there going to be some kind of model there at all, even just for how they handle stuff on court, that college basketball will be able to do that will make us feel better about the season starting somewhere close to when it's supposed to? 
Right. So I talk for my day job at the big lead. I talk to people from leagues all over the place. There is growing pessimism that there will be fans in the stands before 2021. I mean, that's just because that makes sense. most of the experts are coming out saying, look, just like the flu, we're going to get hit again with this in the fall when everybody's inside and colder and, you know, it's colder and we're going to be around each other. That's going to bring this back up again. And so if it's going to start spreading again, you don't want to put fans in the stands and then all of a sudden be like, all right, no, 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 you got to get out. It's just going to be a, we're not going to have fans until 2021. Now that's not definitive, but that's what most experts are projecting. And the sports leagues are catching on to that and saying, well, then there's no point in let's, let's have one plan for how we do things. And then we'll start bringing people back. Um, I think the other thing is in all of these proposals and for work, we've read through some of them, all of them, the bottom line is there needs to be widespread testing because you cannot have one player bring it in and then give it to the entire team. If one person is, you know, gets sick and and has to leave, you know, it it causes a huge ripple effect. So I think that that's another aspect we have to look to. So far, all we've gotten are projections of like, there's no definitive dates other than the UFC and then golf, which are sports where I guess, I mean, the UFC, I don't know how they're going to do it with making sure everybody is is safe. They seem to think that they can do it. Um, But team sports and things like that, when you're practicing among a bunch of people and then playing among a bunch of people, it's going to be harder. Obviously the travel is also going to be more difficult as well. Having to travel and send an entire team somewhere, that's going to be more difficult. So I think that it's going to, you see the UFC coming back, you see Korean baseball playing. Those are sort of different than what is going to be happening in America and what is going to be happening with teams, more team centric sports. So We'll see what we've talked to with a lot of these leagues is people, they have to have a plan because all of a sudden if things get better, they got to be able to rev in this baseball plan that has sort of been leaked and, and discussed for a while is all dependent on X, Y, Z and, you know, 10 different factors that we haven't hit yet. So they're saying we could start in mid June, but we'd have to go a long way between now and then to change the way this is going for that to happen. So they're setting up plans, but then, you know, these are plans that could easily start to be moved back down the road. As far as colleges go, I don't think you need to have students on campus for games to be played because as long as kids are enrolled, they could be doing distance classes and all of that stuff. You know, we, we, a lot of people finish their semesters over zoom or, or Skype or, or whatever. I think that's possible. But at the same time, you know, I think that the appearance of that is it's not safe to be on campus for the regular students, but we need these athletes to be on campus is not something the NCAA wants, especially if it's pushing this model that they're just regular students, you know. And so I think that there are all those factors in right now. I'm, I mean, you know, my industry has been decimated by this. I want to get back to 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 doing to playing games and doing all of this as soon as possible. I'm not super optimistic that we're just going to flip a switch and it's going to be fine. I think this is a long-term thing and they're going to have to figure out creative ways to do it. Nor should we flip a switch and nor should we be lulled into a false sense of security that everything's okay. I love seeing that, you know, we're starting to see some businesses come and I think doing that in a controlled way with a plan makes some sense. I just really worry, and Coach and I were talking about this before we went live, that people are getting the message that everything is okay when it's not. <laughs> you know, like you still need to be as careful as you were before. Uh, you know, we don't want to go down that road with this conversation. But, you know, Coach, how are you how are you handling not having sports? <laughs> I mean, I know not well, but like what are you what are yeah. you doing? Well, it it's you know, 
people can say that it's not that important, but for us who are sports fans, it's just part of our lives and it's what we do. You know, some people go out and hunt and some people uh, work on cars for hobbies. Uh, our hobbies, uh, sports, and it's, it's been taken away. And the thing that, uh, you know, we can, I can add to Ryan is the, the sport, sports leagues were ahead of this uh, and knew and had information. And then they, they were the first ones to pull the plug on their own uh, economic situation and shutting down the Big Ten tournament to NCAAs before a lot of the stuff went national uh, with, you know, the task force and all of those things. So you have to think that the the sports leagues, the NCAA, the NBA, they really have a, a grasp on this and are going to do what's best. And yet, yet they have to plan ahead because if things are okay, uh, you need uh, months uh advanced planning to you know change the baseball league to three divisions and travel and, and all those things and then the question becomes as ryan brought up at the end what's the ncaa want to do image wise because i think you can bring athletes back without students but you are sending the signal that they are there to for money and if you're going to play without fans college has another choice that uh it's kind of hard because that's a money maker uh, colleges need fans yeah. more than the pro leagues do uh but you still get some revenue if you play and, and you get the television revenue with no fans. And so do you need that? And you can, you know, basketball is in a, I think a better shape college basketball because you have 13 players, let's say what, 20, 25 people personnel. You could put them up at a hotel. You could have testing. You could bring them into a gym and even travel. I would, I would suggest travel day of the game. You know, Ryan was a big suggestion last year of Archie Miller doing things <laughs> different of, you know, travel the morning and travel back. So you don't have, to yeah. stay in a hotel you don't have to go out those are things that are more likely for a small uh, rostered team uh in basketball and basketball has another i think plus and i maybe this is just hopeful because it's such a big part of what we do is they can delay it a month or two and not really you know lose a lot so it's a it's a late november uh well early november start now but they used to start late november they can condense it some or even push the tournament back a little bit if they had to, uh, depending on venues and things like that. And so they have – basketball has time uh, where baseball and, and major league sports don't uh, at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how those factors play out. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to add to, as you said, Coach, that the sports were the first thing they knew before everybody else, and there's a reason for that. Sports were in touch – the sports leagues were in touch with people, you know, high-ranking medical personnel, whether it's federal or not, you know, with the federal government or not, uh, I'm not really sure the answer to that, but we were leaked to in early March, maybe the second week of March, that they were told that sports aren't coming back before June 1st, major, major league sports aren't coming back before June 1st. And that was the first week of March. So if you're looking at that and you're saying, look, the NF, the, the NFL is doing everything remote. Major league baseball hasn't even started NBA shutdown, NHL shut down. They knew back then this was going to be this bad and that they were going to have to shut down. Now, you know, and, and what they were basically told is best case, you're June 1st. So we're looking like some people want to start things back up again, but they were told best case is June 1st and we're not at the best case. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how this all plays out and, and how it works. Those projections from the beginning appear to be pretty spot on that best case would have been June 1st. So those people clearly know what they're talking about. And these leagues know what they're talking about. And if you're hearing a, you're hearing from a league like the NBA, like we're nowhere near starting, they're not just doing it blithely. They want to be back. There's a lot of money to be made. They just know that they can't allow a situation, a situation where they have 
a major star gets sick, you know, I mean, then everybody would be on them for why did you ever start up again? It's a PR disaster. So these leagues know what they're doing and they're talking to the right people and, and are, are, are trying to figure out ways to get it done. And I'm sure college athletics is the same way. The other thing about college athletics, we didn't mention it's going to be very regional. What if one state doesn't have any cases and opens up and another state doesn't, are they going to have to change the schedules around so that certain teams can play and certain can't Are is a college basketball or college football team going to have to maybe train in another state while taking remote classes. I mean, there are a thousand possibilities and nobody's come up with, with a real solution yet, uh, at least not publicly. Okay, well, we'll keep following this, and hopefully we get better news as we move forward. All right, coming up, let's look ahead to next season, whenever that might be, now that we pretty much know who will be on the roster. What are the biggest question marks facing Indiana, and which ones are the highest leverage in terms of determining how good this team can be? We will break it all down next. Stick with us on December Bowl. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Gene Steratore, you are the man. That's all I have to say. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. By the way, he ad-libbed some of that because you'll notice he went longer than the other people have done because on Cameo, you only have like a certain number of characters. Characters, So yeah. I told him the basics and he ad-libbed a bunch of the other stuff, like the seat of his pants and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. You know, because you know he's done that before. Like, that's yeah. the thing. You know for sure he's done that before. It was great. He got so into it. I loved seeing that. So Gene Steratore, you rock and we take back anything negative that might have been said about you on the show. I don't past. think we ever singled him out specifically, did we? There are there are other guys. There's, a, got our there's certainly other guys remember. that caught the ire more than yeah. him. So. His only bad games came in Wisconsin. Well, that's, that's when it, he was only a bad official up at Wisconsin. Well, they all they all are. That's so not the I, case. I the refs would have called it. Okay. Um, anyway, you're listening to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website. If you ever want to join the chat mob, chat mobbers during one of our unedited live broadcasts uh, or watch those replays and see the between segment banner, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. All right. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, the coach, Brian Tonsoni guys. Let's talk about the biggest on court question marks for next season. We know the biggest question mark overall is when is the season going to be played, but let's talk about the team on the court and you know, we went back and forth with some of these via email, some of the big question marks. And I think, you know, frankly, I think what's more interesting about this conversation isn't what the question marks are, because I think a lot of them are pretty obvious, actually. I think it's which are the highest leverage ones, like which ones, if they're answered in a positive way, will have the biggest impact on this team reaching their ceiling. So let's set the kind of the parameters first. I'll read out these questions and then let me know if you guys have any new ones and y'all in the chat mob watching live, let us know uh, if you have any additional questions. But let me just go through these real quick and then get your reactions. 
Okay, question marks. Can Rob Finnessy be an above-average Big Ten point guard? Is Jerome Hunter ready to have a, quote, responsibility for production, be a guy that you count on for scoring? Can Christian Lander, a five-star recruit, assuming he reclassifies, which we are for purposes of this discussion, be close to what DJ Carton, who was a high four-star recruit, uh, was for Ohio State before he transferred? And Carton averaged 24 minutes a game, 10.4 points, three assists, 2.8 rebounds, and 2.6 turnovers per game. He was obviously a year more advanced, but can Christian be somewhere in that vicinity? Can Race Thompson stay healthy enough to play 50% of the minutes? He played 31% last season and maintain his production. Will one of the non-Lander freshmen have a significant impact on the rotation? Does Archie stick with the big lineup theory during Joey Bronx's final season? Does Trace Jackson Davis make a significant jump skill-wise? And is this the season we finally see Indiana's pack line defense make the jump to great or even elite? Now, the thing I want to get your guys' reaction on, you know, we didn't include any questions for Al, Justin, and Joey. And to me, I feel the reason for that is we have a pretty good handle on what those guys are going to be. And none of them really project to be guys who can take major leaps. Now, maybe they can, but that's not necessarily something you would assume from their first three years. So we obviously need all of them to be solid, but I feel like they're more kind of, you know, answers. Like we kind of know what we're going to get from them as opposed to question marks. And then... Armand Franklin's another guy that we didn't mention, and he kind of projects as a guy who I think will take more of a leap as an upperclassman than a sophomore. So he'll have a role, but I just don't think he's a question mark that's going to move the needle either way. So your guys' reaction to that, and if you think that there are any question marks that we've missed here. Well, I think number one that goes to, I mean, this is for every team, but it's not on the list, so we'll just add it. I think and it's something that's really hurt this team the last two years, health. Can they stay healthy? And I yeah. know that's an obvious one, but we should mention it off the top is you lose Rob Finnessy for a certain amount of games. You lose, you know, uh, race Thompson for a certain amount of games. You lose Jerome Hunter for a key road game. And, and, you know, I, I just think that health is the number one factor for this team because they faced it the last two years. You could say that for any team, but specifically Indiana struggled with it the last two years. I think that is number one question mark. Can you get through a season mostly healthy with your key guys so it doesn't you know those breaks in the season don't stunt their development as i think that's a question for everybody so yes it is but i think that specifically for indiana it matters so much because of the last two seasons and overall this roster looks poised to handle an injury or two better than maybe the rosters of before as well uh because of the roster construction getting better uh which it needed to so yeah you want the health but i i think it is is there for um some security. All right. So of all these questions, which one do you think is number one? What is the highest leverage question here? Cause I will tell you for me, it's Rob Finnessy. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think too. Rob Finnessy taking that next step as a junior becoming at a minimum an above average guy. That means he's one of the, you know, six best point guards in the league. If he can do that, I think it is huge for Indiana. And I think it's really, and, and look, I mean, Lander may come and be a significant contributor, but I think Rob Finnessy's got to be a rock that you can count on for 30 minutes, that you know offensively and defensively what you're getting from him each game. I, I just, I think that is the biggest question that if it's answered in the affirmative can really change what this team can do and how consistent they can be. Yeah, I think there's, there's two parts to this one. It's one is that, yes, Rob is certainly the most important part. Two, Indiana finally has a buffer behind that in Christian Lander. So if Christian, if, if Rob Finnessy doesn't reach his potential, but you get Christian Lander in there and he's really good, it maybe makes that softens that blow a little bit. So Lander can come in and to pick up some of the slack. The ideal scenario is to have both of them playing at a good level 
I mean, you know, so you can have them both on the, as we've talked about, they can play on the floor at the same time. There's no question about that. Um, so yes, I would agree that Rob becoming an above average big 10 point guard, uh, the guy that we saw at, we've seen at times be very successful and, and be a great finisher, been able to knock down shots and play excellent defense. He needs to put that all together. If he can do that, this team's ceiling jumps considerably, especially in the big 10 where you need someone to lead every night against tough defenses, against physical defenses. You need somebody to be a leader on the floor. Rob needs to be that guy for this team. Yeah, and the the thing, Coach, I think heading into last season, I think we all would have thought that coming into this season, this wouldn't be as big of a question mark. You know, and I think it's a little bit of a disappointment maybe in where Rob is in his development, but, you know, could be some extenuating circumstances there with injuries and things that have happened to him. Um, But it's not, this is not the conversation we expected to be having last offseason. Well, and, and and Rob's injury was there, and, and Rob needs to be tougher in those situations as well as a combination of, of what happened to him and then maybe his response to that too. But you saw glimpses of it throughout the sophomore season, and he just seems to play really well against Michigan State. Uh, you can tell when he's playing well, he's really on attack mode on offense, and he's really a lockdown defender. But I will point out, you know, the, the Big Ten's had some really good senior point guards that have been dominant in their own way. And I'm not saying that Rob Finnessy is going to be a Cassius Winston and Anthony Cowan, Xavier Simpson, um, but they all got better year after year after year, and they made progress. If he can be who Rob Finnessy is, and I'm not saying a Cassius Winston dominant player, but his potential can be reached and that we see that sophomore to junior growth that makes Indiana really, really good because the point guard runs offense, runs the pace that Archie Miller wants. And I think that's, uh, you know, you look, and I think more like an Xavier Simpson comparison, I'd have to go back and look at the stats, but someone who can run the show can get the pace going in the right way. And you saw glimpses of what Rob can do for this team. And he needs to make sure that he's making that progress uh, uh, and, and stay healthy as well. But that is such a key because that makes everyone else um, a lot better when you have that point guard. All right, Coach, what do you think is the second highest leverage question here? You know, um, I think the, the, the I'm going to combine two. I, I think it's the elevation of Hunter and Thompson. <laughs> and I, I okay. Uh, but, you got to pick one of those guys two guys. Have, um, I'm going to say Jerome Hunter because yeah. I think he's a scorer. Uh, race does all the things already. If race just comes back the way he was, he's going to help this team. But I think Hunter, then if you're making me pick, I think Hunter making that leap up to a double digit score, a consistent three point shooter, not just a, a couple nice shots and the ability to score in the post and maybe get that ball off the drive gives something Indiana has been lacking. And so, uh, responsibility for production, I'll, I'll take Hunter, but I think Thompson is right there too. If he can elevate, you got two really good pieces who are, bench players because Indiana has all their starters quote coming back if they stay with the same starters and all of a sudden now you have six seven and a five-star guard uh in as number eight or whatever that's that's a pretty potent eight-person rotation and you got other players that can fill in around it too so I, I I'll go with Hunter on that although Thompson's a close close in in the next question uh, yeah I agree with you on Hunter just because again it's you know kind of if he gets to that point he's a guy who has 11, 12, 13 point per game potential. Now, I don't know if he'll get there. That's why it's a question mark. But if he can get there as an outside shooter, as a guy who can score maybe even at three levels, that really changes the complexion of this team and probably forces Archie's hand to make him a starter, which yeah. could really change some lineups. And we know 
having watched this team operate with three non-shooters on the court for a long time, being able to get him on there with some versatility, that could really change the complexion of what this team could do. So I think that, to me, that's the second when, biggest question. When, yeah, and, and he, when and Indiana he, played well, yeah. Devontae got hot and scored, and you're going to need a scorer. Uh, yeah. You're going to need that score, whether that's Lander, Fennessey, Durham, whoever. But Hunter has a chance to be fill some of that role of the hot Devontae and the good Devontae. Yeah, yeah it, here's the thing. You, you all know how much I love Ray Thompson think how much potential he has. But quite frankly, Jerome can do some things that nobody else on the roster can do, which elevates his importance, I think. And and his yes. ability to, to as you said, potentially score at three levels. We saw him play some really good defense at times this year. That was where he struggled a little bit. But you saw him pick it up and figure it out and play some good defense. He can do that consistently at his size. He can guard several different positions. Um, I also think a, a, a sort of sneaky, uh, really important one is, does he stick with the big man you know, lineup? I mean, does he try and go with two big men or does he try and go more versatile? I think that is really important, uh, not just offensively, but defensively as well. You know, can these guys play the, can you play the kind of defense Archie wants to play with two big guys who don't move particularly well? You know, I mean, or one, at least one left. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's really interesting to me. I'm not sure. Uh, if you can do that, uh, even with another offseason of Joey Brunk in the system, I'm not sure if he can start next year. Uh, you know, he's going to be a captain. Uh, you, you just have to assume that he's going to be one of them. So I, I guess that would be maybe even more than can Ray, can Ray Thompson stay healthy. I think that's incredibly important because that has to do with no matter who's in the lineup, how do you attack opposing teams and how do you defend them? I, I think is very, very uh, contingent on on what kind of lineups you put out there. I agree. No, I think there's a lot of wings on this roster. Yep. There's a lot of wing players on this roster. The freshmen need to develop some. So, you know, you don't know how much they're going to push, but you can go three wings uh, and and move Justin down. Can Justin defend the four? You know, he's a great defender. Is he a great defender at the three or the four? Can he do both? Um, Yeah, I I didn't like it a whole lot to start, but I understand to get Brunk some minutes. And can you keep Brunk happy if you're going to play TJD a lot of minutes? And Brunk just backs him up. That'll be an interesting, uh, in, interesting question on on what's the that lineup consistently because you got a lot of players that can play one, two, and three, and you yeah. can play three guards. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I agree. I think kind of with the hierarchy we have here, where it's Rob and then kind of Jerome and Race, you know, put them in a, in an order, and then I think Ryan, what you said about the bigs, and then to me, that's where the Lander question comes in. And the only reason to me that it's not higher is because I. I don't think it's as much of a question mark as it may seem. And the reason I say that is as long as he reclassifies, I feel like we have a decent idea what we're going to get from him if we're realistic. You know, just looking at some other guys who have reclassified, who have been that level of recruit, like this guy is a five-star for a reason. He's going to come in. He's going to play. He's going to produce. He's going to score some points. He's going to shoot it, and he's going to turn it over. And that's why DJ Carton, to me, was an interesting comparison for him. You know, he's not just going to sit the bench. He's almost surely not just going to be a dud, you know, but he's also probably not going to come and just totally take over, you know, because he's a guy who should be a high school senior. So there's probably a cap on what he can give you. So, and maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but I just, like, to me, I don't look at him as as much of a question mark. If he comes and reclassifies, I feel like we have a decent idea of what he's going to give us. And hopefully that crescendos toward the end of the season and he's better toward the end. 
But, you know, I feel like he'll give flashes of brilliance, another playmaker, make some really important plays, and have some ups and downs and really struggle think, at the beginning of Big Ten play with physical play. You know? The only question for me on him is how uh, how how much will he score early on? I, I, I feel like he'll be a great distributor. He'll have the vision. He'll set guys up. He'll, as you said, make some great plays and all that. The question is how well will he score at the next level right away? Given his body type, he's he's you know he's underweight a little bit right now. He's a smaller guy, just he's meaning he has a slight build. I think that can improve, but you're also he's he's also not enrolled in on campus now. You know, working out, so you have to you have to. That's really the only question mark for me. I think he's a guy who could play good defense. I think he's got great vision. I think he can push the ball like Archie wants to get up. You know, the thing we've seen Archie yell at Rob Finnessy for not getting it up the. The, the court fast enough sometimes. He's not going to have that problem with Christian Lander. He's going to have to, in, in some cases with Lander, he's going to have to pull him back a little bit because Lander's going to attack when maybe there isn't something there because he's used to attacking when there isn't something there and scoring and having or, or setting somebody up. So I think that's the only question mark for me with Lander. You're right. I think we know what kind of a player he is. It's just a matter of as a freshman, will he, you know, what level will he reach as a scorer? And we don't Pace know. of play. Ryan, you're absolutely correct. My my most exciting thing with Lander is not points per game. It is pace, <laughs> pace and assists. Uh, and if he can have a, uh, and hone that to where he's not forcing the shot at the rim or not turning the ball over because he's going so fast. But if he can elevate everyone else, that makes Justin Smith better. You get Justin Smith out on on the run and a point guard who can really get him uh, in space to score. Uh, it lifts everyone. And I think Archie wants to play faster. Ryan, I think that is the key to Lander. The points uh, can come from other places, and if we get both, then that's just that to me. That's bonus. So as we look at at these other questions here, you know, the freshmen, sure, one of them could come, and, and I'm sure one of them is, and maybe a couple of them will play some minutes. I don't think any of those guys is going to be a difference maker as a freshman. You just usually don't see that from guys ranked there. Now, could one of them be OG Ananobi at the end of his freshman year? You know, maybe, but that's that is doubtful. You know, I think the other one, the other two that are interesting. You well, know, let me Trace, say this, Jared. Yeah. Um, Armand Franklin, how many games did he win by having just a burst um, off the bench? Notre Dame, at least. Yeah. And maybe you can find one more. If each freshman finds a game or, or a, a game and a half, now all of a sudden you're looking at 19, 20 wins and maybe making, and that's that boost to go up into the 4-5 yeah. level. And one can shoot, uh, one can guard, maybe win with a great defensive effort to jolt the team to play a better defense. One is a heck of an athlete. Uh, they just the, may find it harder to get minutes than freshman. Armand did. You win you know, one yeah. game. I, I don't know yeah. if they'll get as many opportunities yeah, as Armand. But, here's the, but, here's the but thing. you're right, though. Not to talk over everybody, but you know that's what I do. Because you never do um, that. Yeah, let me just the, jump in real quick. Here's the thing: you have eight guys returning who have played in the system. I mean, that's yeah. the and then by the way, that's what Archie wants. That's what his system needs. You look at a school. I mean, the team that we often compare, the program we often compare Indiana to, with the systems that it runs and Archie Miller and all that is Virginia. Virginia got good when it got guys in the system for long periods of time, and and so that's what you've got right now. So the freshman you're looking for, unless you're a superstar, five star. Your job as a freshman is to come off the bench, provide energy, maybe provide a lift here and there, five minutes, make a couple threes or play some defense or whatever. Yeah. But your job is to learn the system as a freshman and get comfortable in that system. Uh, I would not be surprised if there was a red shirt out of this group. Uh, I don't know who, but I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if like Villanova, like Virginia, like some of these other top programs that like to get old and stay old, 
they utilize that red shirt because it's a weapon you can use to get an extra year from a guy you think will be better as he's older. Um, so I, th- I think that's a big thing with this is those freshmen, their job is to get comfortable so that when next year rolls around, they can be full-time, big-time contributors. Yeah. So this year, I think, is a situation where you're hoping that they make some impact. You're hoping that by the end of the year, like you said, Jared, they could be an OG Ananobi or a Jawan Morgan. But if not, at least they're able to come on the court, feel comfortable in the system, and contribute bits and pieces here. Maybe it's not hitting a three, but maybe it's making one more pass to the guy who does hit the three, that kind of thing. Yeah, and like, you know, a team plays zone. Iowa tries to go a zone to slow down uh, Indiana's offense. You put Leal out there, he's playing four minutes, hits two threes. That might be a difference. Uh, or there's a particular player that's – Don't adjust to Iowa's defense. Just go. No, but I'm just trying to find areas where the players – you know, there's someone who's really scoring, and you tell Trey, hey, no one's guarding him. Go out there and shut him down, and you change the course of the game with your three or four minutes on the court. Uh, they're not needed to be big-minute people, but they need to be ready for when their moment comes – and these are really good, talented guys like Armand was. And Armand was ready in the Notre Dame game, and, and, and you win a game. If that's just worth two or three wins because you have freshmen who will get five to ten minutes uh, in a big moment and really produce, uh, that can be the difference between worrying on Selection Sunday and being a you know five, six, seven seed, in my opinion. Yeah, no, well said. Okay, we got a break. Coming up in our third segment, we're going to answer your questions. What do we think of player development under Archie Miller? How about coach development? To the extent that we can answer these questions and many more, we will in segment number three. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Uh, okay. Um, My bad on picking Iowa. That was horrible because yeah. Iowa can't guard. If, if we have, if we have to bust. adjust to Iowa's defense, then just <laughs> they're they're all the busting brand. my balls in there, rightfully so. Chat mob. I take a bow. Uh, that that was really bad off the cuff. But you know, if there is a zone, you know, some teams go one three one to change things up or whatever. You know, a shooter can come in for two or three minutes. I'm not expecting any of those non lander three to really break into the top eight. Is what I'm saying. But if they're yeah. called, they have aspects that can really help a team, and that well, is exciting. And here's the other thing. It's a buffer against injuries. If right. you're going to the bench and getting Jordan Geronimo to replace Jerome Hunter for a game, you feel like, okay, that's a super athlete who has some skill you're bringing. You're not bringing in a project. You know, if Anthony Leo Injuries, to, poor play, lack of focus. Anything, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just somebody who's who has to be on the bench for a, a long stretch. You're bringing Anthony Leo for Al you know, Al Durham or something, you feel like, okay, that guy's not going to hurt you. You know, he, and he might actually help with his effort and maybe hitting another shot or something like that. So that's the thing about getting old is when you're bringing in pieces, they're not to replace your current pieces. They're to supplement them and, and mean, so, Hey, if somebody right. goes into shooting slump where they missed, you know, 10 threes over two games, you can give them a break to maybe sit back and watch the game. You don't have to keep shoving them out there for 30 minutes every yeah. Um, so I wanted to hit the last couple on there. So Trace making a jump skill-wise. The reason I don't think that's a big question is I just feel like it's kind of baked into the cake. Like I feel like people are looking at this Indiana team, and we all are, as Trace Jackson Davis is a minimum second-team All-Big Ten guy, probable first-team All-Big Ten guy. He's a hard worker. I just expect him to be better and to be more yeah. consistent. So well, I, like, and Look, 
you look at his family situation too. His dad, having played in in the NBA, knows that a, he's a smart guy. He knows that an NBA player at his size has to be able to step out and make a jump shot. So Trace is going to work on that. You know, he knows he has to work on that. That's not something where he had to go get. I think that's the thing why he didn't even put his name in for evaluation. Although, I mean, this year, who knows? You know, what kind of information you're going to have back and all that stuff. You're not going to get to go to the combine and work out. Um, but he already knows what he needs to work on. He needs to get a little more consistent defensively. I think he's a great defensive player, but I think just with footwork and things like that, get a little more consistent. Not a great defensive player yet. He's no, I, he's he's, you know he, what, he's, he's great, instinctive he's and spectacular at times, and, and that's struggles the with NBA, the fundamentals at other times. That's what the NBA wants, though. Let's let's be honest. They want sure. guys who block shots and are a threat. He's to got the tools shots. to be a great defender. Sure. You so know. you know he he needs to work on his footwork, and you're right, the fundamentals, but pretty decent lump of clay there to work from yeah. uh, and he needs to be able to hit jumpers that's the you know and, and here's and, why and here's why it's a really it's a really big question is because if he does and goes beyond and indiana's really tough to play you, you know so I, I you expect it and it is baked in but my goodness um an uh, even better trace jackson davis and his ability to play the four uh if he can shoot and guard the four would be really beneficial because then you can get Brunk some minutes uh, at the five. And I, I think TJD had to play the five, was more efficient when he got the ball down low. Um, yep. But that stretches things um, as well. But it is a big question because, boy, if it happens, you know, that, that gives us reason to be uh, really, really optimistic. There's, yeah. Yeah, honestly, there's, there's, there's a very strong possibility that Trace is the best player in the Big Ten next year. I mean, it's, there's some guys who are good. Uh, but if Trace develops the way he should, and again, development, again, we don't know what it's going to look like next year. A lot of guys could return to school because of this and not having an offseason at school could return pretty much looking exactly the same as they did this year with very little development. I mean, it's possible. We don't know how that's It's a guess. We don't know how that's going to look. But if Trace develops the way he's he, he's capable of. There's a solid chance that he's the best player in the Big Ten. I mean, he could be an All-American, and you know, I think yeah, for you, sure. you do make a good point. I mean, if that if that really does happen, that is going to change some things. Um, I mean, that you know, that's why these are all questions. I mean, shoot, if all these questions are answered in the affirmative, you know, Indiana's going to be in the Final Four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but as we know from history, probably half of these will be answered in a way that we don't like, and you know, the other ones will be. And who knows? Maybe Justin or Al or one of those guys takes a jump that we don't expect. The last one, and this one is kind of hard because everything else is kind of lumped in to this, is is this the year that we see the pack line take the jump? Because you guys have alluded to the age, you know, kind of the institutional knowledge of the defense now. This is the fourth year. It's been really inconsistent. You know, and I know it was a top 30 defense last year. I don't know. You know, I think if you kind of just look at the sentiment of all of our post-game shows and certainly look at the rankings in the Big Ten where they were eighth in raw you know, defensive efficiency. This didn't feel like a top 30 defense to me, even though it was. I mean, it was by the numbers, but it was very up and down, inconsistent. It abandoned Indiana at important times. If the defense next year really feels like that, if it's a top 20 defense, top two or three in the conference, and you're finally playing the way we thought, well, that's going to have a big impact too. And a big part of that is Trace's development and Race being able to play more minutes and Rob Finnessy being the point guard we want. So this probably isn't doesn't really fit the theme of the questions that we're asking here, but it is a big question in my mind because it's something I thought we would see last year. The numbers were better. I just didn't think it quite passed the eye test. 
And if it does next year, it's obviously it, there's still a lot of room for Indiana to grow on that end. Even though we talk a lot about the offense, they can still get better and more consistent defensively. So is this the year we see it come together? I hope so, because that's what yeah. we're building this team around. So I, I think the problems with the defense were personnel driven more to me more than scheme driven. And, and I know you like the pack line or don't like the pack line, right? But you, you have people if you're a pack line, you're going to hedge. And we had players who weren't hedging correctly and weren't able to do that. And so do you, you know, maybe Archie needed to make a change there in philosophy within the pack line, but it's a top 30 defense, but the personnel <laughs> is, is getting better in, in what he wants to do. And not only physically, but mentally too. Uh, players that uh, are buying into playing defense like race Thompson. Uh, I thought Jerome Hunter uh, got that mindset before. I think the freshmen coming in have a defensive mindset. And so there's physical attributes and mental attributes that are needed yeah. to make the pack line perfect. And if it was a top 30 in, in year three, you would hope that it even gets higher. And so that, you know, obviously again, we want these questions to be answered in the affirmative, but I can see it happening. And, and I think that's a, another, um, Good question. Yeah, you know, and Joel says the top right. three defense can win a banner, and you know, this is this is true, and I think that's borne out, up. right? But your offense has to be elite, and so that's the thing is, you know, we know Archie wants to build around the defense, and Coach, I agree. I think personnel was an issue, and an inability to consistently adapt to the personnel on, on behalf of the coaching staff. You know that that all kind of it was like a vicious cycle at times. Um, so again, I'm I'm bullish on the defense, just like I was last offseason. I thought it would get better. I think with another year of experience in the system, another year of roster management to get more guys in that seem to fit the system, I definitely think that it's going to be better. And you can see when it operates well, as it did at times, it's great and it's locked down and it's fantastic. You know, so that is, I, I just mean to say, it's still a, a high leverage question that if it, I mean, there's a world where Indiana's a top 10, top five defense next year. That that yeah. could happen if some of these it's questions worth- are answered in a, in a good way. So it's worth I just noting, Jared, in that world. It's worth noting, Jared, that the other thing about what you're seeing with the roster is you're not seeing anybody sign with Indiana. We're like, how are they going to fit? As we've seen with the previous <laughs> regime, you know, it's a high level, like th- three point shooting team or whatever, and then you'd sign somebody who doesn't shoot threes. And you're kind of like, how are they going to fit in the offense? Like you see year by year, you're seeing the recruits being brought in. You're like, Oh yeah, he's going to fit in this way and he can do these things and you know, he's athletic enough to play the pack line and recover and you're just starting to see year by year you can see the fit with the players they're bringing in. And I think that's very important. You're bringing in players who fit the system or who at least have the ability to be molded to fit the system as opposed to people where you're just like that's just not going to work. You know, you know, you're yeah. not well, recruiting who- anybody where you're looking at it like Oh yeah, he's going to transfer in a year. Okay, you know, like, and of all the recruits Archie has had, who is the one that kind of fit the least? That you kind of scratch your head a little bit, and you're like, "Boy, that's going to be an interesting fit." Fit the least? Um, yeah, because, because I think you're right. Like a lot of guys do fit, but the one that you were like, "Boy, how is he really going to fit into the, way? the first class?" I'm not going to include the first class because that was the leftover. Well, no, but, but that's the guy that I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about Demizi. Like, oh no, I'm not talking about that. I was talking about the first class. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Archie's no, actual getting- recruits. The answer is to me. I mean, it's to me yeah. because he he didn't move his feet very well. He we actually saw him. I thought last year he played better on defense. His offense. defense got a lot better last year. Way better. Noticeably. And he was a better and he was yeah. a good rebounder too. Yeah. But he didn't fit the offensive system because he hunted shots from the outside, wasn't a penetrator. Uh, you know, 
just it, it just looked awkward. Um, and the other thing, he wasn't strong with the ball. And Miller, you know, in Miller's offense that reduces tempo a bit, you can't turn the ball over. And he had very weak hands. He would let the ball bounce out of his hands a lot. I just think that that was the guy where you look at it. And I, I said it when we did his recruiting thing. I said, he's going to take him a couple of years to become a top level, you know, uh, to become a, a, a college player. I think he was. And who knows what he would have done, you know, with his with his last two years. But I, I think he's as we've talked about before, I think he's in a better spot. He's in a much now, better spot. Yeah. I think he picked a great school to go to. And, and I think he's going to have a real shot to, to develop there. So, yeah, you know, the, the other guy well. here's. Well, I just want to say real quick, Coach, you know, the other guy that would kind of fit this discussion is Joey Brunk. Yes. A little bit defensively. And yet, I understand why Archie brought him in, because I think it was more of a locker room pickup. You know, and obviously he can do some things offensively, but I think he wanted toughness, leadership, that kind of grit, you know, that Joey Brunk brought in the Minnesota game that helped us win that game at home. You know, so that was not a perfect fit defensively for an Indiana big, but I still think it made sense at the time given the options available well and i think it's worth noting too depth up front was an issue entering that season and and you know enter with that the way that roster was constructed depth yeah, up yeah. front was an issue and i think that you get a guy from indianapolis who was an iu fan wanted to go to iu you know i mean there's a lot there and you're just like yeah no no we, we need depth yeah. up front we're taking that guy and we'll figure out the fit later but as far as actual recruits Here, they, here's a question recruits yeah Go, coach. Here's a question that I, I think, and, um, you know, we coaches are stubborn in our system. And, and one of the things, you know, that does Archie become a little less stubborn? Uh, he wanted to play 11 guys, and that didn't work. And then Indiana, I think, got a little better when they shortened the rotation. Uh, then there was mentioned in the, in the chat mob, too, when he made it finally after the Michigan game, he made a little bit of an alteration at times on flat hedging instead of high hedging. Uh, a little bit. We still didn't play that well. Uh, at times, we still stuck with it. But it seems like uh, I know for a fact when you have your system, you want to stick to your system, and you're going to coach your kids into your system. And one of the last things you do sometimes is say, "Okay, maybe we need to go to a different direction as a coach." That's one of the failings. And and um, you know, Jeff agrees with me in the in the in the chat mob. That's that's one of the negatives that we have with coaching. And I think that's a big growth in Archie's uh, development as a coach too. Is you know you might have to in the Big Ten with great coaches and great people make more adjustments within your core philosophy, not go away, not change your philosophy because that doesn't work. Uh, you got to no. be who you are, but there's some nuanced changes that you can have, and that would be a growth in Archie uh, to to help him be better. Um, you know, if he needs to, if he needs to. And to a certain extent, you've got to be stubborn to build a new culture and to install a new system. And I get it. And that it's a it's a difficult balance to try to have. And coach, I think you're going to be more willing and more enthusiastic about adjusting when you trust the guys on the court. And I think there has been a noticeable lack of trust right. from coach to player and player to coach through the first three years. It's gotten better each year, but you still kind of see it. And so hopefully in year four, you know, we see some of that start to uh start to get better all right we're, we're taking up a ton of times yeah, yeah but there's gonna be no time for ac after dark we just gotta go right in there's always time for ac after dark come well, on not for me you tonight. haven't been here for ac after dark in a while the people expect they come here with expectations when you're on the show uh dinner's being made i can't, oh, I can't man hey man it's the timing of the show you want to do it now brian's earlier. being stupid again fine um okay let's do this <laughs> oh by the way everybody should check out the titus and tate episode with cody zeller 
that just came out, the podcast. It's very good. Cody tells some great stories. He does. That are IU relevant. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> um, okay, let's do this. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a Duke big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Deron. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, once the games start again, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, time for the mailbag. All these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. We had like 15 people sign up this week, which is really cool. Coaches doing some great coaches corners in there. So if you're if you're feeling the need for some IU basketball community, go check us out at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, I say all the questions were submitted there, but Jay just dropped us a question uh, here in the chat like five minutes before. Uh, and I suppose since he has theme music, we'll answer it. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. Truly, truly mediocre, this question. What's the lineup that you're most looking forward to seeing next season? Coach? I'll take it. Okay, oh, Ryan. Okay, coach, go ahead. Oh, okay. No? Uh, I, 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 this is not... Yeah, let coach go ahead, go. Ryan. Let, co- let coach go. Let coach. Go. This is not a starting lineup, but this is one I want to see play together. Lander, Finnessy, Hunter, Race, and TJD. That might be our best all-around lineup, but I think you have to honor L and Justin as seniors and give them the priority. And, and um, I, I think talk to Joey about backing up TJD. That would be um, my suggestion. That seems like the highest ceiling lineup, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if everything goes well and all these guys develop, just given talent and ability and how flexible they could be. You know, you're playing. You're a little short at the guard position. You know, with those two, but it feels like you could do a lot with those guys if they all develop. So I agree. That would be a fun one. Here's my fantasy lineup just for fun would be Lander, the three other freshmen and Trace Jackson Davis running. I think that offense would be, would be a blast to watch. It'd be hot. It'd be, they all know each other you except for Geronimo dumbass. and Geronimo <laughs> is now I'm not saying for the key part of the game. I'm saying I look forward to seeing those guys get on the floor together. I think it would be fun. I've seen J- Trey Galloway and, and catch lobs from Christian Lander. I've seen Trace play with Christian Lander. I, you know, I mean, you've seen these guys play together. That's and they're true. So right. much, they're so much fun to watch. I, you know, they know each other so well because they played together for so long on the AAU circuit. I would love to watch them play at Assembly Hall together. All right. Once, that, okay. That point. That, okay. The high school connection. Well, yes. I'll grant that to you. Okay. Because Trace is probably going to be gone after one year. They're, you're not going to, it's not like they can do that as junior when, when Trace is a junior. I want to see that next year. I think it'd be fun. Okay. 
All right, we'll go with that. Um, all right, from Patrick, what is your player development grade across all three years for Archie and his staff? And we've talked about this off and on at different times. There's been some ups. There's been some downs. The shooting hasn't developed like you want. You know, you see a guy like Jawan Morgan who really takes some strides. Some other guys that kind of feels like didn't. I mean, Coach, if you had to give the player development a grade, what grade are you giving it? I'm probably giving it a B minus um, right now. I think, you know, Morgan is the plot positive. Uh, maybe Devontae Green not reaching his potential uh, is is the balancing on the on the negative end. Um uh, you know, and I don't, and time is part of that too, getting your players in and, and working with them. But I think it can be better and I think it needs to be better, uh, from, from year to year. But, um, I don't know that I've seen great development, but I don't think it's been poor. Uh, you know, on the plus side for Archer, I think Al has, has developed. I think he's gotten yep. better every year. He's improved as a shooter. You know, he, look, Al's an interesting guy because he was the 230th ranked recruit. By any measure, you have gotten more out of Al Durham than you ever dreamed of, you know, but he's a starter at Indiana, so you get measured against, you know, Victor Oladipo and Steve Alford and like all these other guys. But it's like, given where Al was recruited, he's really developed. I thought you saw Robert Johnson take some really good strides his senior year um, in certain respects. You know, Justin Smith, you know, I think he's gotten better in some areas, but he's also just kind of produced more because he's played more minutes. I think we'd all like to see a little more uh, development from him. So B minus seems fair, I think. Ryan, I mean, are you because I mean, if you're going to get a B minus, yeah. you've got to have some success stories there. And I do C think plus, there B have minus. been some. Yeah. Okay. C plus B minus. But again, he's got to get his players that he knows the type of player and how to develop them. I, I think that's the key. And so you give the guy a break on that a little bit. Um, I think the physical development has been good, but as far as like all around rounding out skills, they, it needs some work. And I think that, that that's Rob where Finnessy is important because that's a guy that say, has to develop. Yeah. I was just saying Rob Finnessy is going to be his test case. Cause that's a kid he wanted identified really, you know, got along well with, and was, you know, on the same page with, can he bring him in and turn him into his potential guy? We haven't seen that yet. There's not a lot of consistency, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. But the buck stops at the head coach. The head yeah. coach is the one who's responsible for it all and had a coaching change in the player development area as well. So, you know, um, yes, those are good reasons and, and you can make some excuses, but uh, Archie needs to be at an A going forward in, in player development. Okay. Well, that leads to the next question, coach, uh, from Lee to tie with that earlier question. How do you rate Archie and his staff's development over the first three years? Why don't you guys both take a crack at this one? We've got about two minutes left. Co- Coach, you go first. You know, I, I think it's been gradual. It's been slower than I thought it would be. I, I thought things would happen a little bit faster um, from Archie's success at Dayton. And, and and I've maybe made too many excuses and reasons that, you know, the, the changeover was so different from a Crean-style team to an Archie. I think that's a valid reason, but there are no excuses. Uh, the progress from – uh, over 500 and no tournament to NIT to NCAA possibly this year is okay, but it's not Indiana basketball. And I'm sure Archie would say the same thing. If you're any kind of competitor and you're leading a program like Indiana, it's time to get it going and it's time to get it going right. So I think it's been okay development, but it needs to be on, you know, really focused and, and hitting all marks going forward. I'm I'm kind of giving them an incomplete because I want to see what they do in their fourth year. I, I think that there has been a, there were enough roster issues as far as guys that didn't fit the system on the roster that you kind of needed to give them a chance where they've got a couple recruiting classes and they've gotten older to really see what they can do. 
it's been a very slow burn, this development. At some point, you got to ratchet that up another step and, and improve exponentially, not just take gradual steps. If you're taking gradual steps, it's going to take you 10 years to get to a national title. You know, you've got to at some point make a jump. I think what we've seen so far, it's kind of an incomplete development. You're starting to get where they want to get to. And you feel like this year is a year where they got it. They got to show something. They've got their players. They got to stay healthy, obviously, but they've got to show some development improvement. Joel wants to know when the new name image likeness rules take effect, will Assembly Call Radio be paying any current players? Uh, if any current players want to hop on Cameo, uh, we, would, we would be happy to, uh, to pay them. If we're allowed to. <laughs> We would be happy to pay them to. Yeah, we're gonna uh, have to. We're gonna have to hire a lawyer to look through all those rules. Yeah, we gotta make sure that we can. But if we're allowed to, we will. So the answer is yes. Hey, just fire a coach because I'm a booster, and then you can pay him all you want. (laughs) Just you know, because we gotta. I'll take it for the team. Yeah, we get. We gotta keep adding to our catalog of. uh, of player drops. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, take it from me, Roman Lankford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come. This is Don Sony. <laughs> nice to hear from Romeo there. Nice to hear from Romeo. Very nice to hear new, from Romeo. Is that a newer one? Yeah. I yeah, we've got a few. I haven't, I haven't hosted one of these in several weeks, so we've got a few. I've, I've got some more, too, that we haven't done yet. Gene, the Gene Steratore man. When I got that, it's it's kind of a you know you never know how they're going to be kind of when you get them because some guys are really into them and some guys just go through the motions. And his oh my god, I cracked up. So I want to go back to something and some of the stuff that people were saying in the chat mob kind of made me look at this. You know, maybe it was wrong to just assume that there's not a big question about Al Durham's development, and maybe we contradicted ourselves saying he's developed well. Why couldn't he take another jump as a senior? You know, he went from, you know, a usage. A lot of times when guys are are at a certain usage rate and it goes up, their efficiency goes down. But, you know, that's yeah. what you see with a lot of players. Well, Al, his first two years, his you know, he used fourteen point five percent of possessions and then fifteen point six. It jumped up to nineteen last year, and his efficiency went from one hundred one point three to one hundred eight point three. His three-point shooting got better. He got to the free throw line. He was second in the Big Ten in free throw rate. He made let's his free be, throws. His honest, assist dude. rate went up. Like he, I think, and to that, either Jay's point or whoever made this in the chat mob, and we gave him a lot of crap last year, but I think with the way he came around at the end of Big Ten play, he really did have an underrated season last year. Like he, and how many big shots did he hit? I know. What layups did he hit at the end of the he, year? For he him? wanted lot. the ball at the up. end of games. That's why I will always submit that him taking that shot late in the in the Maryland game was was good, even though it might have been too early in the possession. It showed a guy that wanted the damn ball in a big situation, and I liked it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we underrated Al. Maybe there is another level that he can jump to, and you know, because if he becomes a forty percent three point shooter, it's going to be hard to keep him off the court. Now his defense has to improve because you know. But anyway, I just wanted to hit that because you guys made some good points there in the chat and just to kind of square up what we had said about him. Here's, here's something I'm doing, trying to do as a fan and I won't, I'll fail at it miserably to try to have reasonable, um, you know, 
predictions, reasonable expectations, I guess, of, of players. Al is going to be a nice player, and if he makes a jump, he's going to be a nice piece. Uh, but sometimes when we have juniors like Justin and Al, we expect them to be the hot, the top scorer, the top player, the person we're going to count on for consistent play 30 games. And I think, unfortunately, I, I learned that lesson with Devontae. Devontae, we expected Devontae to be that 15-point scorer on a regular basis, and he just wasn't. He was just a guy who's going to get hot, and you use him when he gets hot type of guy. And so I'm a little bit reserved on saying that these guys are going to take big jumps and be the difference for Indiana. They are important pieces as seniors to pass down and, and to get their 10 points a game. I think Al and Justin both. But I'm going to try as a fan to be a little more um, reasonable Restrained. and, and expert. Yeah, and expectations. I mean, there was one time after Devontae's game against Florida State, I'm calling for him to be second team all Big Ten. You know, that's part of part of being a fan, I guess. I lost my coach. I'm glad I didn't get caught up in any of that. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, but not at all. I, I and, and so I think Al can be an important part, and he will get better, but I am very hesitant to say that he's going to lead the team or be that senior leader type. I think the, the, the Landers, the Finnessys, the TJDs are the real – and even Race and Jerome – are the important, real super important um, pieces. And Al does what Al does and, and make sure he does it well. And Justin, do what Justin does and do it well, and you'll help Indiana win and get back to the tournament. I, now, I, yes, I, I agree. And you don't want to expect too much, but I, Ryan's got to go. Dinner's, all goes. right, dinner's ready. Yeah, later, guys. See you, Ryan. Thanks, everybody. Um, the, the only thing I wanted to say about Al, because you said he wouldn't be the senior leader. He'll be – I like, he's not going to be one of your top production guys maybe. But yeah, that's what I a, meant. He will be a senior leader in the sense – and this is where I think he and Justin are so important, where seniors are so important, is on the road. Tough environments. You know, when when Christian Lander is – I mean, who knows if we're even going to have fans at these games, you know. But when you know when one of those road gyms is rocking, you know, Al Durham's been in all those places three years. And he's a guy who's shown he can step up and take big shots. So – you know, and my and where you're right is I think Al has more toughness, um, overall toughness yeah. than Justin. I think Al works hard. Um, you know, from Joel and everyone who who watches him go into uh, Cook Hall, and I think those things play out in your senior year when it becomes really, really important. So what I meant by production is to expect him to be a 15 points your leading scorer because he's going to make that next jump up shooting and that. I don't think that's what Al does. Al is going to be that senior leader. Uh, that that guy that keeps the team together uh, and maybe wins some games uh, for Indiana, but be who L is and not who you know we expect uh, as who we want L to be is kind of what I'm I'm talking about. Yeah. Well said. All right. Um, cool. We got to do another uh, chat mob induction one of these days. We might try and do one next week. Uh, and by the way, we were talking about. I was talking with Alex about doing a. Uh, podcast on the brink podcast takeover so he and i will host assembly call radio one night and then you and andy can go host podcast on the brink and we won't even invite ryan to that one so he can be real pissed that he doesn't <laughs> even get to be on podcast on the brink when uh when we do the takeover I, I hope we would allow ryan to the, that andy and i had a good time talking football and in a little different format to get used to or we just kind of hit play and rambled for a while um so i hope people enjoyed that I know I enjoyed their their uh, taking over last Thursday. It was uh, good to watch and be in the, in the chat mob. So I think that's uh, you know I kind of wish we could do that sometimes. You know, like the way that the show has evolved now that it's on the radio. You know, because I, I feel like and I'll be interested to see what chat mob folks think of this because I I like the segments because it really makes us prepare and we have to prepare 
to make good points in 20 minutes, which is a different level of preparation than if you're just going to have like three items on a sheet and you ramble about them. I think it helps us get in and out of topics. But there are some topics that when you just have an expanse of time to talk and you're not looking at a clock, you can get into a little bit of a different type of conversation, which is why I feel like AC After Dark works well and some of the between right. segment stuff because we're more relaxed. So I'm curious if people like that about our show, if you wish we would maybe do more other episodes that don't necessarily have the, you know, the confined structure. We have to do that for the shows that are on the radio, but you know, it might be interesting to just do hop on every now and then and do kind of the more open crimson cast style. I don't know. Like I, I like it. It works for us, but I'm just, I'm kind of curious. And, and there's different there. You know, like I struggle with longer podcasts as the listener. That's just me personally. So some people like the 45 minutes to an hour. And, and then if they don't want to listen to AC dark after dark, they can shut it off a little bit. Um, and I wish I had more time. I don't have a travel time at work or whatever to pop something in. You know, I'd like to listen to the Hoosier hysterics. I've listened to quite a few, but the three hours is hard for me with coaching and everything to find time to get that three hour segment. So yeah. it's interesting too, that it's so nice that there's different levels and different types of Indiana content out there with different formats. So that's, yeah, uh, that's my initial take. Yeah. You know, and I, I like that people know kind of what to expect from the show because they know what the segments are. So there's, there's pluses and minus to it. It's like anything. It's just like a coach's strategy, you know, because it's funny. I was thinking about that when you were talking, well, you know, hmm, we, we talk about the coaches being less stubborn and, you know, being open to some change. Should we try and do that? It's like you know, too, playing you know? someone with two fouls, yeah. you know, you can't be stuck <laughs> to your, <laughs> uh, someone said, Tyler, let's have Scott and Ryan do a show together. That's a great idea. Just turn on the mics and let them go. <laughs> well, that would be interesting to see what would happen with them. Because they're, you know, who would take the lead in that conversation? Hey, can I give a shout out real quick to Moose, uh, Trent, and Kirk? He, he was on a sales call and had a cooler full of cold beer for me. as He was up in Frankfurt. And... and and that lasted all of about two hours. Uh, you know, I got home in the afternoon, and once I started grilling out, it was really good stuff. So no, no free ads, so I won't mention what you know kind it, it came from. They'd have to sponsor the show but um, <laughs> That's in order awesome. for me to say it. But it was just really cool. I get a text. He goes, hey, I got a six-pack of, of beer for you. You want to meet me up in, in Rossville? And it was the first time I've been out of the county uh, in, uh, in, you know, 55 days. And so we stood six feet apart other than the Passover, uh, you know, of the beer. And, uh, you know, we had a good time. But it, nice. more so than anything, I really appreciate the chat mobs. And, the, and we talk about this all the time. And if you're in the community and, and some of the, uh, the, the meetups that we do and the Friday night, you know, virtual um, stuff happy that hours. we do, it's just yeah. happy hours. Uh, it's just really cool. So, uh, yeah, now I got, I got another beer that I like. Thanks to nice. Thanks. Yeah, well, we've got that happy hour coming. So if you're part of the community, we have a virtual happy hour coming on Friday. Um, lot, the last one we did was great. So looking forward to doing that one. And uh, We have yeah, one tomorrow? Did yeah, you say? tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Okay. So Jay says he'll host the show where we drink and just talk about random stuff for two hours. All right. We, we're, we'll, one of these days we'll do this. It'll be fun. It will be fun. It'll be chaos. But you know what? Sometimes... Sometimes great stuff happens from chaos. So, so here's an idea, Jared, that just came. You need to send me on roving assembly call episodes. So, like, Trenton came up and delivered me some beer. Just give me an assignment, especially during the summer, okay. to get in my car, drive two and a half hours, interview someone at their home, 
and either put it in the community or add it in assembly call after dark. That way I get to meet people. I get to drive. Right. I, I mean, once things get a lot better, obviously with social distancing and, and everything, and you know, that'd be pretty cool. Maybe I can hit two or three people in, in one day and make a, a summer day trip and um, meet people at their, at their places and talk a little bit about their memorabilia or something and put that in the community. That's a good idea. All right. Let's, uh, Let's save that idea. Let's let's work on that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Everyone right. I interview has to pay me a six pack. That's the deal. Six pack of beer. <laughs> six packs with Tonsoni. Drive to you. There you go. That's you, six packs with six Tonsoni. Six packs with Tonsoni. And you have like you have like six questions that you ask everybody or something like that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Jay says his house is an all day thing. Okay. Okay. So. All right. We'll just put a you case guys for Jay. We'll just put you guys on like a twenty four hour live stream. Just Coach and Jay. From his basement. From his basement. He's got a great right. basement, I hear. <laughs> he does have a great basement. I haven't been there, but I've seen pictures of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's close up. Good stuff. Thanks for being here, Coach. And thanks for helping out with Banner Monday, yep. too, with Coach DeCourcy. Yeah, and Mike DeCourcy. anytime. Uh, he is so – I really appreciate um, his written work, and, and talking to him is just tremendous. And like I said, I'm trying to be more nuanced as a fan, and he really does a good job of being outside the, he the walls of, of our fandom to really make you think. He does. He he respects Indiana fans, but every now and then you can tell he just kind of chuckles that y'all are insane. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, yes, we are. <laughs> All right. See everybody. Have Good a night, great everyone. week. Stay safe. And we will talk to you inside the community or next Thursday night. The tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight up racist. And not that watered down type of racist. What do they call it? Unconscious bias? No, not unconscious. Intentional. I mean that flooding our communities with ads, killing us by the thousands, and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist. They are literally killing us. This ends now at wearenotprofit.org. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.